0: Listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing the long-awaited Halloween Kills from 2021, directed by David Gordon Green, written by David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and Scott Teams, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Andy Maticek, James Jude Courtney, and Anthony Michael Hall. And in this sequel to 2018's Halloween, Halloween Night continues as the Strode family reels from the events that unfolded in the last film, and the town of Haddonfield decides to take matters into their own hands in an effort to permanently rid themselves of Michael's murderous legacy. If you're new to the show, we're just going to do some spoiler-free background discussion for the first 15 or 20 minutes, but then we'll take a little fake break and play some transition music, and then that is when Spoiler territory is upon us so you'll duck out then if you haven't seen the movie yet Ashwin, you were anticipating this but maybe a little less than me right
1: yeah i was pretty excited i, I think i've been uh pretty vocal about this being one of my favorite franchises so uh, i was i was excited and i i think i remembered uh liking the 2018 one do you do you remember what our scores were for that one I remember my score. I gave it a three and a
0: half, and I since have rewatched it. I rewatched it shortly before Halloween Kills, so just like a week or two ago. Oh, nice! And it it upped my score to a four. Wow! No kidding. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a lot to appreciate in that. Okay, oh, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, do you, uh, I see yours right here. I've got the spreadsheet in front of me. You gave it a two and a half. <laughs> oh my god! Are you serious? Yeah. Oh wow.
1: That's interesting. Oh, uh, you're hard on shit. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm so surprised. I, I, I remember like uh, feeling pretty fondly about that one. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I did my math wrong that day. Um, maybe if you rewatch it, it'll grow on you. Yeah, yeah. So it had good rewatchability.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, once you're aware of the flaws, you, you kind of know what to expect going in. Sure, sure. Having and, to start off with those podcasters was pretty jarring.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, you, uh, oh, I thought you were really excited to see this one in theaters. I was, and I did not see it in the theater. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Once the, well, first of all, my kid had a fever. It's not COVID, but I didn't know that at the time. So I figured it's probably safest for public safety if I had stayed home. And I also, once the time came around, I just didn't feel like it. I I haven't found a theater I
1: like here yet. And I just didn't want to bother. Yeah. So, and hey, you watched it at home too, right? I, I, yeah, I watched it at home too. I, I didn't realize I've, I've had Peacock this entire time, uh, so I finally activated the uh, the premium subscription there. And uh, yeah, it, it was pretty convenient to watch it at home on that platform. Did you sign up for that? I did, I did. And I was going to cancel it right away, but I might hang on a little while. Are you finally going to get into the office
0: Oh, I, I've I've seen most of The Office. I, I'm I still like it. I'm just not as obsessed with it as the rest of the world is. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's fair. Um, so David Gordon Green is at the helm of this what will be a trilogy that serves as the eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth films in the franchise. Uh, its timeline ignores many of the other films, with Halloween 2018 serving as a direct sequel to Halloween 1978. And next year, in October of 22, the trilogy will end with a film titled Halloween Ends. Uh, Ashwin, I have now seen every film in this franchise, by the way. Are you serious? I uh, watched six a few weeks ago. That was the last one I needed to check it all off. Wow, and you've seen like H2O? I've seen H2O and Resurrection, but I haven't seen either of those since the theater, so I really don't remember those very well.
1: Okay. Okay. Wow, that's awesome! Um, so now you have this and Nightmare on Elm Street knocked out. Yep, yep. That's got to get that Friday the Thirteenth to get all these big three done. Yeah. Wow. Good. Way to go! How many? Thank uh, you. Sorry. Wait. How many uh, Halloween movies are there? Uh, twelve,
0: okay. including this one. Got it. So yeah, David Gordon Green. He's got about 15, 20 years of directing independent movies. Some larger productions too, like Pineapple Express. And some TV before Blumhouse accepted his and Danny McBride's proposal to reboot the franchise. And he now has multiple huge horror franchises in his hands. Um, he's set to direct a new installment, installment of The Exorcist. Wow. Uh, which, not unlike Halloween 2018, will serve as a direct sequel to the original film. Mm-hmm. And he supposedly will be directing several episodes of a supposedly upcoming Hellraiser TV series. I haven't heard much about that. It, it, it came up in the news like a year ago, and it hasn't really been discussed much since then. Oh, okay. But, because the latest Hellraiser news is that there's a Hulu feature film in the works. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, about a year or so ago, they were talking about an HBO TV series for Hellraiser. So, Got it. Take that news about the HBO series with some David Gordon Green-directed episodes with a grain of salt, but it was reported on at one point in time.
1: Uh, I mean, it, it sounds uh, accurate because I, he already has at least like two HBO shows uh, with Eastbound and Down and uh, Vice Principal. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, that that comes to fruition. That's That's interesting. Right, right. Do you think he's just like another one of these uh, directors who have come from comedy and now transitioning to horror and that's going to be his path going forward? I don't
0: know. It's. I mean, if he's uh, set up to really do The Exorcist and uh, Hellraiser, then yeah, I mean, that's going to be part of his career for sure. Right, right. Um And it's funny, too, because Danny McBride is one of the writers, of course, with a background in comedy and was in Pineapple Express and Eastbound and Down. Right, Exactly. Um, I'm surprised there's not more outright comedy in these films. There is a little bit, but um,
1: I know <laughs> it's funny when you look at, like, yeah, who the director and writer were. were and uh, yeah, you you don't feel like that same sense of humor that you see in some of those films, right? Right. There's definitely some funny moments, and they uh, they take
0: things lightly, and and you can tell there are touches of humor, but it's not all out funny most of the time. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, are you a fan of like East Bound and Down or Vice Principles or um, I, I I, like to show Mythic Quest. Uh, I think that was on Apple TV last year or two. But I, I, are you a fan of those? I haven't seen any of those.
0: Oh, OK, OK. Uh, is... The only films of his I've seen are um, Pineapple Express, which mm. I enjoyed. Yeah. And I think he also directed a movie called All the Real Girls with um, Zoe Deschanel. Oh, OK. Uh, That was really good. I really loved that.
1: Okay. Also a comedy?
0: It's a a romantic comedy, but it's like a very realistic, slightly depressing romantic comedy. Okay. Um, But it's also really charming. Yeah. It's kind of about like heartbreak and and
1: rough relationships, but it's got a lot of charm and humor to it too. That's cool. And I I kind of feel like that aligns with his uh, style of comedy too. Like there's like a darkness to it, which uh, I guess gives it like a certain charm in a way. Um like yeah I think right. about the main characters and he's bounded and down and stuff um so uh yeah I I guess it makes sense that you would come into horror um and I'm curious to hear more about like where you see the comedy in this film because uh, yeah it, it didn't <laughs> jump out to me too much
0: yeah I think I might have seen a few more touches in Halloween 2018. oh okay um but yeah this still despite being streamed on peacock simultaneously with the box office release performed pretty well it had a budget of 20 million. And I checked these numbers. Uh, gosh, it was two days ago now. So that was Monday, October eighteenth. It had a box office of fifty four point eight million. So that's and growing, uh, which is pretty good considering
1: a the pandemic and b a simultaneous Peacock release. Right, and it's only been in theaters at this point for like a, a week and a half, or did it just come it's out a, this weekend? It came out. Yeah, a week and a half, I think. Okay. No shit.
0: No, it just came out last... Yeah, not even a week yet.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, not even a week, right.
0: Boy, hard to keep track of time these days. (laughs) Um, It's a best opening for an R-rated film
1: in the pandemic. Oh, nice. (laughs) That's good. Beat out Suicide Squad. Got it, yeah. And uh, I heard part of the reason why it was also released on Peacock uh, was uh, this was like a Blumhouse production, and they got burned when they released uh, Freaky, just in theaters. So this was like their approach to kind of uh, learn from that and go like simultaneously on a platform as well.
0: Yeah, Jason Blum was really, I want to say hurt, but he was super bummed about Freaky because he thought it was a really great movie they had on their hands and nobody saw it. Mm. So he was like, regardless of the money, at least this is what he says, (laughs) he's like, I don't want that to happen again where we have a great movie that not enough people see because we limit its availability and so he he wanted to do this for kills and I mean maybe it would have been more had they not done the peacock thing but it looks like it's working
1: yeah I I get the logic but then to pick peacock as your platform of uh, distribution I feel like that's probably like the least popular out of like all like the Netflix HBO's uh the other like streaming services like I, I just I'm surprised you didn't pick like a more popular one
0: Yeah, I don't know how that works. I'm not sure that he really had a ton of freedom because Universal was the distribution company. Oh, sure. Um, And I don't know how NBC and Universal are related. Pardon my ignorance, listeners, but I have a feeling it could have been an exclusive deal where Mm -hmm. that was all the only streaming service Universal would put it on. Right, yeah. Yeah, that probably makes sense. Yeah. Um, Anyway... A lot of the cast from the last movie and prior movies in the franchise returning to reprise their roles, Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously, Nick Castle, who played Michael Myers in the original and plays him here and there in this film, Charles Cypher, who plays Sheriff Brackett, Kyle Richards, who plays Lindsay Wallace, and Nancy Stevens, who plays Marion Chambers, who was Loomis's assistant in the uh, scene at the mental hospital where they're both in the car and all the patients have broken out. Oh. <laughs> a, kind of wild, right? In the original film? Yeah, yep. Wow. Yeah. It's funny of all the people that come back, she's she's one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, honestly, most of the people, most of the cast came back. Right. Yeah, and a lot of this felt kind of like a reunion of like old cast members just like getting back on like the boys are back in town kind of feel.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Boy, the boys are back in town. That, that should have been a subtitle for this movie. Yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> Halloween kills the boys are back in town.
0: <laughs> with Tommy with a baseball bat slung over his shoulder on the cover instead of Michael.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Tommy, Paul Rudd played Tommy in Halloween 6, and he was asked to come do this, but he was unavailable due
1: to his commitments to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I I read that. I didn't realize Paul Rudd was in one of these films. Uh, so he he was like a kid back then. It was no, he was like ah maybe kid, like teenagish.
0: He he looked a little younger than his clueless appearance. Oh okay. Um, yeah, actually it was funny on the in the credits. I I believe it said introducing Paul Thomas Rudd. Oh. Thomas may not have been <laughs> it, but he included his his middle name at first. Yeah yeah, okay, kind of fun. That's awesome, and the music, like last time, is done by John Carpenter and his son Cody Carpenter and Daniel Davies, who's the son of Dave Davies from the Kinks. Cool, and that was a
1: pretty widely praised element of the first film, right? The score, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting that, like, uh, John Carpenter, he directs the first one, and then I feel like he's just doing the scores on these, which it's such an awesome score. But uh, what what an interesting like way to like shift your position on the, on the on the movie and the franchise.
0: It is interesting. He 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 write he's like got his hand in pretty much every element of the first one, and then <laughs> second one he just writes it. Third one he just does the score and produces it. Yeah. It's just like he's kind of around.
1: I know. <laughs> I know. Can't be bothered with uh, directing it anymore. That's, that's kind of funny.
0: <laughs> I th- I mean he never intended for it to be a franchise. He thought it was stupid. Oh, I yeah? think that they made a Halloween 2. He was more on board with the concept of Halloween 3,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, which we're going to do a Patreon episode on. We're going to record that right after this. So if it's not out by the time you hear this, it will be out soon. Right. Um, But yeah. Yeah, anyway, Carpenter, he didn't envision it as a franchise, but I think he's just happy to be involved with the score, but doesn't want much more than that at this point.
1: Yeah, no, it's cool. He's tagging along, and uh, I think that score like really gives the films like a, a sense of like consistency and authenticity. Yeah, for
0: sure. And what's refreshing, too, here is that they really lean on elements of the original score, and some of the other movies, they don't necessarily do that as much. Hmm. Do you mean like the like the main theme? The main theme, yeah. That's like pulled yeah. out in some of the other ones. Some of the other ones like kind of flirt with it for a second and then don't hit on it much afterwards. Yeah, um, yeah. And Big Turkey from our Discord server server. Uh, this is just off my memory, so I'm sorry if I misquote him. He has read the books about all the like the history of the Halloween franchise, and I believe he said the reason for that was. That the other producer, God, I'm gonna butcher this again. I feel like his name's like Mustafa Akkad. Oh yeah. Had a bit of a falling out with John Carpenter and really didn't want to use that music much. Oh. So I think that's why it doesn't appear a whole lot in some of the other films in the franchise.
1: Sure, sure. Is that guy still involved with these films or have they sold off like the rights now to Blumhouse?
0: I'm pretty sure he's still involved. Shit, this is one of those things that I don't have on hand, and I never want to look things up on the podcast because I want to keep it conversational, but I feel like we should get this right.
1: You no, know, I think you're right. I think he is one of the producers uh, still. Like He's listed there with like Jason Blum. He's listed. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Good
0: so call. he's still in the mix. Okay. Maybe him and Carpenter have uh, calmed down their differences.
1: Yeah. He's also someone I've wanted to know more about cuz I, I feel like he's a uh, a big name behind like the first few Halloween's and it seems like he carried a lot of the other uh franchise uh films but not I feel like he's not like a very well-known household name is he? No, not at all.
0: Kind of like Robert Shea in the uh Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. Just like the dude pulling all the strings and <laughs> his name's on every film like right up there in the beginning of the credits but Yeah. I don't much. think people knew much about him until some of the documentaries came out.
1: Right, right. Yeah.
0: But yeah, him. good point. I, w- I would be interested to know more than him. Maybe maybe the true nerds do, and they're laughing at us right now. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> but I don't think he has a very public uh, image from what I've seen. I don't think so. I don't even think he has, like, a Wikipedia page, which is kind of crazy. That is weird. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, yeah, Halloween ends. This is kind of fun. I think each film, like, Halloween... 2018 took place 40 years after Halloween was released, or it was released 40 years after Halloween was released. Now Halloween Kills is released with the one-year delay. Releasing it in 2021 makes it 40 years after the release of Halloween 2. Oh. And Halloween
1: ends will be 40 years after Halloween 3. Oh, and that's coming out next year, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, so those first three Halloween movies came out like
0: year after year? They did. They did. Well, 1978,
1: 1981, 1982. Okay, cool. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Do you think Halloween Ends, they'll copy Halloween 3 and uh, Ditch Michael Myers? <laughs> bold... No,
0: sir, I don't, but uh, they are going to address the pandemic <laughs> Oh, and Halloween Ends. It's going to take place four years after Halloween Kills.
1: Wow, interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh have they already shot it or is it still like in production? Do you, do you know what the status is of it? They have not done any filming. I think their original plan was to do these
0: back to back, but in the, in terms of filming, but no, they they haven't filmed yet. That's interesting. If it's like confirmed
1: for release for next year. That... Right, they'd
0: better get on it. But maybe maybe uh maybe it's begun, but um yeah. Seems like a tight yeah, turnaround. I, I, right, right. Yeah, I should have looked more into that. But as far as I know, I don't think filming's even started. But you're right. That would be a pretty pretty
1: tight turnaround. Yeah, yeah. Really cool though that they're gonna tackle the pandemic. I felt like this one tried to hit on like some uh current issues. Did did you get that sense? It did you know, it was surprisingly prescient in like
0: uh some of the stuff that happened. In the January 6th riots in 2021, <laughs> yeah. but it was filmed in 2019, so. Oh, okay, okay. So that, that was just sheer sure <laughs> luck.
1: A lucky coincidence. I mean, not
0: necessarily luck, because I think it was still a commentary on the state of the world, and the 2021 thing was perhaps a logical conclusion to the state of the world <laughs> at that time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I guess anyone uh, putting all the facts and figures together you might have guessed that that was going to happen. Right, right.
0: Any other background that you'd like to discuss on this movie before we uh, hit the Ohio connection and then move on? No, I think you hit everything. All right. Uh, Well, our Ohio connection, as always, comes from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. Listeners in the Northeast Ohio area, go and get there while the weather's still nice. Hang out on the patio, drink a beer, get some delicious food. Alex says, Halloween Kills is a slasher film, sequel to 2018's Halloween, and the 12th installment in the Halloween franchise. The film picks up right where the previous one left off, with return performances from franchise star Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Will Patton, while adding cast members Anthony Michael Hall and Thomas Mann, among others. The character of Michael Myers is portrayed by two actors, Nick Castle and James Jude Courtney, who both appeared in previous films, and Castle having appeared as the masked killer in the original 1978 version. James Jude Courtney has limited acting credits, having appeared on episodes of Babylon 5 and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but the majority of his work has been as a stunt double or stunt performer. James Jude Courtney was born in Garfield Heights, Ohio. Hey, that's awesome. That's pretty cool, and that's whose face we see. That's the face of Michael when you kind of catch glimpses of the face here and there.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So, like, when we see him in in this one, that's that guy?
0: Yeah, I mean, Nick Castle had probably just a tiny little part here and there, but it's it's mostly James Jude Courtney, everything wow, okay. you see. Great. Everything you see, like face-wise and just the body doing things-wise, the shape is essentially James Jude Courtney. Okay, awesome.
1: Um, hey, did you mention the uh, Rotten Tomato score yet?
0: Oh my gosh! I didn't. I didn't even write it down, and that's super notable. Oh, <laughs> thank you for catching that.
1: Yeah. So I think it's a thirty-nine percent on the critic side, and then a seventy percent on the audience side. So wow, that's a huge difference. Yeah, and apparently it dipped quite a bit after the movie's release. <laughs> what? What the audience or the critic score? The critic score, even. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. All right. Yeah,
0: I mean, they. Uh, that's something. We'll, we'll we'll get into it, but. It's a pretty low score.
1: Yeah, yeah, from critics for sure, but uh, audience, uh, they seem to eat it up.
0: Audience seems to like it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, man, well, let's move on. Let's walk through the plot, hit some spoilers, and review and comment as we go, but you know what, man? The garbage guy didn't pick up the garbage today, and I think I hear the truck going by. I'm going to run out and see if I can catch him. You mind if you hold on real quick? Oh, sure, yeah. All right, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, were able to catch him? I wasn't, but uh, all the neighbors were out there, and everyone's pretty pissed. So we uh, rounded up a posse, and we we found the guy, and we really laid into him, uh, beat him up pretty good. But it uh-huh. turns out it was actually the recycling guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty awkward. You got your neighborhood gang together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone got there. They're blunt
0: objects, and we 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 had our chance. Yeah.
1: Man. Garbage goes tonight. Yeah. People people really overlook uh, the neighborhood dangers. I mean, these, these suburbs, like uh, these neighborhood gangs, they come together on these uh, shared issues of concern and <laughs> go, to, go to town. Dude, it's like
0: hokey and silly and funny, but it's also like kind of scary and <laughs> also prescient to some things that happened yeah. in like, what, 2020?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not entirely like unbelievable. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm tempted to, man, I'm going to bring this, uh, make this become quite a downer real quick here, but I'm thinking of that case uh, that's been in the news recently, because I think the guys are up for trial, I can't remember, but um, the dude who was just killed jogging, because a couple of white dudes thought he was, assumed he was a robbery in their neighborhood. Right, right. So it's, yeah, I mean, this movie... I'll give it props for that. It, it had some commentary that was, yeah, turned out to be ahead of its time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, I want to put a pin in that and get, come back to that because I'm, I'm not sure if it was meaning um, purposeful or not. But good, good, good call.
0: Sure, sure. I don't know either. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the movie begins with one of the least likable characters from Halloween 2018, Laurie's boyfriend Cameron. He's stumbling around the streets after homecoming, and he comes across Deputy Hawkins lying in in the middle of the road after Dr. Sartain stabbed him in the last film. To Cameron's and our surprise, Hawkins is still alive, but gravely injured, and he's taken to the hospital. We also get a flashback of 1978, and we see that Hawkins accidentally killed his partner in his first encounter with Michael Myers. Uh... Flashback was used pretty heavily in the film, but what did you think of this so far in the flashback element in the opening, Ashvin?
1: Uh a little bit disorienting, cause uh, yeah, it's just so weird to like suddenly jump back in time, and yeah, you're starting off with like a pretty uh, minor character from like the last film, so um, it, it, interesting to kind of like jump in at that angle. So I feel like you're coming in at like a weird spot. Uh, I thought, but I thought the flashback scene was cool, like the way uh, I've never seen like Michael run at someone. And uh the way he like tackled this police officer who's like looking out the window, uh kind of like took me by surprise. So I I like that part. What what did you think?
0: It did, and I kinda liked it too, but that has some diehard fans a little bit upset on the interwebs that Michael actually ran. <laughs>
1: oh really? They don't like to see him <laughs> run. <laughs>
0: yeah, they don't want to see him run. I, I mean I get I get it. He is, he's like the walking
1: stalker. He's like the the quintessential walking stalking slasher. I well isn't isn't uh, Jason kind of in the same genre of like people who just walk like power walk? Yeah, I think Jason hustles from time to time, though. Oh, okay. He like break into like a light jog. <laughs> I I feel like I vaguely remember a light jog from part four. Okay, okay, but like for Michael, like this is uncalled for. Like we've never seen him like do anything faster than a brisk walk. <laughs> Completely uncalled for, yeah. It's
0: <laughs> a good way to frame it. I wasn't bothered by it. I thought it was cool, but I can yeah. understand people.
1: Frowning upon it. Okay, yeah. But what did you think of like uh, the flashback and like, uh, was that kind of like whiplash for you at all? Or what did you think? I kind
0: of agree with you. It was a little bit of whiplash for me. Uh, a lot of people are praising the ele- that element of the film, the flashbacks and how good they looked. Um, but I was a little thrown off too. I didn't really understand the need for it. And they were kind of like tacking on some new elements to to the end of the last film that basically what happened after immediately after what we see in Halloween 78 which mm. I guess I'm fine with but I don't know I was a little surprised I didn't feel like it was necessary
1: yeah I, I agree uh, but, but I, I do get what people are saying though like I mean um that I feel like they did capture like uh the, like footage wise uh and uh, cinematography wise it did kind of align with like the first film I was I was surprised how well they were able to capture the feel of like the 78 film.
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree, it was, um, that element was cool, and a lot of people are
1: praising that, the visual aesthetics of it.
0: Yeah. I think they digitally went in and added some, like, fake
1: film grain. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and then, like, the costumes and, like, the clothing and everything looks pretty good. Um, You know
0: what looks really fucking good, and this might blow your mind, because I didn't know it until, like, right before we started the show, Mm -hmm. I assumed Loomis was, like, some sort of digital technology, right, because- um, Donald Pleasance died in 1995 but Oh, he did? He appears in this movie But it is a dude in a Donald Pleasance mask Whoa, really? That is, I don't think anything digital is happening there It's a, a very well-crafted Loomis mask That Holy another actor shit. is
1: wearing Oh my god, that's impressive Pretty well, right? It's yeah. like prosthetics Yeah, oh my god, that's that's
0: creepy, man so yeah, props to them for that because I I never once considered that as a
1: possibility. Yeah, where where are we now, like technology wise? Like, is this Mission Impossible two area where we can just be <laughs> it's like face oh. off? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's face, face off. off. <laughs> yeah, damn, that's impressive.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, Hawkins is taken to the hospital. Meanwhile, Lori is also headed there after her her daughter Karen and her granddaughter Allison are fleeing Lori's burning home. Where they've trapped Michael inside in the previous film, firefighters are rushing to the scene and enter the burning home to find that Michael is still alive. He kills one of them in the basement and emerges from the house to slaughter the rest of the firefighters in the front yard. Lori and Hawkins meet up at the hospital. Karen and Allison find out from the cops that Michael is still alive. Um, they probably find out because Michael, oh, because of the fireman slaughter. He also then goes on and kills a couple of Lori's neighbors. Um, Karen and Allison try to keep this fact from Lori while she's recuperating from a stab wound to the stomach that Michael gave her. Um, Lori eventually finds out, but she proceeds to get fired up from her hospital bed where she's stationed next to a recuperating Hawkins. Hawkins tells her he's not after her. Michael's not after her. Sartain's the the one who brought him to her house, which I thought was kind of cool because Hawkins was like, you know, He's kind of telling the viewer, too, like, Michael just kills people. There's nothing about Lori. It's just a coincidence, because even Lori thinks, like, it's him and me locked in this battle to death. Right. Hawkins is like, nah,
1: <laughs> he doesn't give a shit about you. So it was, uh, it was a psychologist from the first one, the psychiatrist that brought him to Laurie's house?
0: Yeah, because he was so obsessed with Michael and the events of that night. He wanted to see them encounter each other. He... Really thought that the events of that night
1: had a lot of psychic energy for Michael. Mm, okay, but uh, Michael killed him, right? In part, in like the the previous film.
0: Yeah, Michael smashed Sartain's head like a watermelon with his foot. Yeah, like but that then, comedian. <laughs> What's, but, what was that comedian's name who would do the sledgehammer with a watermelon? Uh, um, Shit, I I got people are screaming it at me, but, but I
1: I don't know it right now. Gallagher. Oh okay. Uh, I don't think I ever saw that bit. Um wh- well yeah uh, so in the last film, yeah I, I remember it like that was the the guy's goal but Michael kills him but then Michael still goes like on his own to um Laurie's house right? I think it's
0: because he's like pretty much there already and then <laughs> Allison runs there.
1: Oh okay so he's like chasing her kind of I believe so. Okay. All right. There's so, also a discussion. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, so I mean, and the whole point of this conversation is like he's trying to tell uh, Lori that she's not the center of Michael's universe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which I kind of liked. Um,
0: I think Lori is a really cool character. I can't even decide. She's such a badass character in 2018. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this other angle that creeps in and other characters' perspectives where it's like. Lady, you're kind of crazy.
1: Like, <laughs> I get it, but,
0: like, you've gone too far with this and you're obsessed with it. And yeah. you ruined yeah. your life.
1: I think this film starts to, like, kind of hint on those aspects, right? Right,
0: right. And even yeah. the last one did, too, and that was kind of her daughter Karen's perspective. But in the yeah. end, it turns
1: out, good thing she was prepared. Right.
0: But um, why,
1: why water down, like, what, I, I feel like the franchise, and I've only seen, like, uh, I don't know, four or five of these films anyway, but um, why water down, like, the biggest, uh, like, storyline between, like, the, like the, those two have, have always been looked at as, like, opposing figures and now suddenly introducing this all meant to say, like, no, it's not actually you 2 You, you don't think that pulls away from the franchise?
0: hmm that's a really good question man and maybe it does but i think halloween 2 was the one that really cemented the concept of the two of them like button like one against the other because he like comes to the hospital almost implied that he's looking for her and they introduced the fact it's not even implied it's spelled out because they introduced the fact that laurie is michael's sister right right and halloween 2 but that's all wiped away in this timeline. So yeah. part of me kind of likes that they were just like, nah, fuck that. And Michael Michael doesn't care. But I think the two can coexist. I think Michael cannot care, but for Lori, it can still be like, no, I'm going to take this dude down.
1: Yeah, sure. Like, it's my mission. And like, she still has that like history of like having to battle with him. So uh, yeah, she could have that uh, angle for sure. But I, yeah. I don't know. They that, that kind of bummed me out to say that like, uh, he's not like after her. Cause, uh, I, I like that part about him.
0: That's fair. I agree. I mean, I don't agree, but I can totally see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, what did you think about Laurie and Hawkins being next to each other in the hospital and kind of talking about their slight crush they may have had on each other in the
1: past and stuff like that uh yeah i hated it man it was so like cheesy and forced and uh yep. just like yeah it's sort of like no, no purpose to the plot or to like my interest in the story so i i wasn't uh on board with that at all what, what did you think i 100 agree with you i hated it too yeah and
0: they did a lot in this movie i will say 2018 did a lot of referencing back to the original film which was good and I appreciated it and they brought something new to it like they put a lot of spin on the Predator and Prey thing they had Lori in a lot of the roles that Michael was in in the 1978 film mm-hmm. um, with her like on the aggressive end of it uh, which was really cool but this one felt like it was just trying to check a lot of boxes and like throw a bone to true fans like oh they talk about their my example here is they're talking about their past romance and he's like oh you were so obsessed with ben tramer that i figured it wasn't a thing and it's just like was this whole scene just an excuse to drop the ben tramer in there so the franchise fans could be like oh yep that's yep
1: from the <laughs> first one <laughs> they're sitting there with like their bingo cards and, like, <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly yeah. that's the vibe
0: i got who who is ben tramer He is a boy that Laurie has a crush on in the 1978 film. He's only ever mentioned. He's never seen. Well, yeah, he's never seen. But then in the second one, he is the guy in the mask that gets hit with a cop car and killed because they assume he's Michael. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah,
1: got it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I I think you're right. Like a, a lot of the dialogue in this felt like it was playing to like uh franchise fans who like wanted to hear certain things uh, yeah. said or, or yep. things dropped. Yeah. Right.
0: Um yeah, a lot of it felt just shoehorned in. Right. Did you notice when Karen and Allison were told the news about Michael being alive? The police, there's a scene where the police are telling the news to Karen. And then we cut to Allison's reaction, and she's like, what? <laughs> I thought it was so bad. It was, like, such a jarring edit yeah, and a cheesily performed line. I, I didn't like anything about what was happening here in these past 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, like, in, in the hospital, right? Yeah. Yeah, the hospital was just, like, a shit show, man. Uh, and e- even, like, the police presence... Um, you had a, a sheriff here who I feel like had like one line in the whole film, but most of the time was just kind of like making these faces of, on on <laughs> camera. So I yeah yeah
0: it, I mean the entire return of sheriff bracket. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I forgot the actor's name who plays him, um, Charles Cypher is another way to just like wink and nod to the fans.
1: Oh, is that why he was in there? Yeah, yeah, and and
0: he, I mean, his daughter Annie was murdered in the first film, but- Oh, right. It's just like, really? He's like around 40 years later? Like, I don't know, maybe he is, but do we really need to see him? It's just such an obvious, like- Yeah. Way to wink and and nod at the fans.
1: Right, right.
0: Which I am, I mean, I'm trying to, like, poo-poo anybody who's, like, into that. I'm a fan, too. It's fun for me, but- This movie just felt like sometimes it was bending over backwards and committing so much screen time to getting in these winks and nods instead of giving us an actual story.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: I agree. Um, Yeah, so I don't mean to come off as bitter. I really enjoy this franchise, so anyway. Okay. While all this is happening at the hospital, there's a crew of sad sacks at a local bar sharing beers on the anniversary of the trauma that happened to them on Halloween night 40 years ago. This group includes the two kids Laurie was babysitting in the original film, Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace. Marion Chambers, who was in the car with Loomis at the uh, asylum that day, and Lonnie. <laughs> Lonnie is apparently the kid who was making fun of Tommy in the original film. And via flashback, we see he caught a glimpse of Michael on that night in 1978, which was so weird. Just like, why is Lonnie important? Yeah, that was,
1: that was a really random flashback that like wasn't necessary at all.
0: Yeah, like why did we need to go back and kind of like retcon the events to like make sure we know he saw Michael <laughs> that night? It's just so weird. And and Lonnie's yeah. Cameron's dad. Right. Um so it's a talent show at this bar and Tommy has this horrible moment where he gets on stage as part of the talent show to tell their story from that night as like half ghost story, half recounting of personal trauma, and at the end of it he lifts his glass to st- lori strode says like there's a delori strode wherever you are
1: uh i thought that was just like the cheesiest thing in the world it was that's usually not how talent shows work right (laughs) no (laughs) you don't just get up and and tell No
0: talent show i ever participated in or witnessed
1: yeah (laughs) <laughs> I know, that was, that, was, that was so random. And uh, yeah, obviously just like a cheap ploy to like introduce that these are the characters, which I some of them are uh, reprising their roles from the 78 film. or It's not all of them, is it?
0: Uh, no, not all of them. But the actress who plays Marion Chambers, who was in the car with Loomis, is the same actress. And Kyle Richards, who played Lindsay
1: Wallace, is the same. From 78? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So Lonnie's a different actor um it, correct it, okay, got it. Lonnie's a
0: different actor and Anthony Michael Hall is not who played Tommy Doyle okay,
1: okay, got it yeah it was it was, a, it was a really weird way to to set that uh to introduce them and like get over this talent show and then even like the other new characters who are sitting there at the bar that they they try to bring in um just so, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense
0: yeah, there were a thousand different ways to uh to do this and that was just such a weird choice mm-hmm And that's kind of how we were introduced to Lori, I believe. I I think I went a little bit out of order, and that's really the... Oh, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Never mind. Um, Anyway, this crew at the bar catches news that Michael and one other guy have escaped the bus crash that was transporting the mental patients, and they try to get this posse together to take this into their own hands and find and kill Michael. And evil dies tonight is their rallying cry. Mm-hmm. We get a scene where Tommy rolls up to a crowd with a baseball bat in his hand and says, excuse me, we need some good people who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty.
1: <laughs> what yep. would you do if you were in that crowd of people? <laughs> I would definitely like uh, not raise my hand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, Just like this the
0: gif of uh, Homer Simpson like sinking into the bushes.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take a bathroom break at that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, So a good chunk of this posse, who's on the hunt for Michael, dies when Michael attacks their vehicle in one of the film's many slaughter scenes, and Lindsay Wallace ends up being the only character to survive. Uh, We also get a complete repeat of the scene from the original film where Michael shatters Marion's window with his hand and with a famously had a wrench taped to his hand in the first one if you pause the movie just right and it, they did it again for this one
1: oh i didn't tie that back that's interesting
0: yeah what were your thoughts on this uh this massacre scene ha- that happened here near this playground
1: uh i liked it i thought uh the way th- they introduced him in the scene with like the kids uh saying that oh yeah there's this like masked guy who keeps showing up here and then they turn around and he's there. Uh, that was that was pretty cool. And then uh, yeah, the car suspense. I, th- I thought that worked really well. Like I love when people are, like kind of trapped in an area and there's like a like a monster like right right outside of them attacking them. So I, I thought this was one of the more effective kind of uh, murder kill scenes. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? Murder, death, kill. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I thought it was pretty good too. I uh, I good point about the introduction where the kids are like someone's like playing hide and seek with us. That was a cool way to introduce the fact that Michael was in the vicinity. And yeah, sure. I thought the the mask scene here was pretty cool. Also, yeah. another Easter egg. All these kids
1: are wearing the masks from Halloween 3. Yeah, that was really cool to see. Good, yeah, apparently they had
0: the silver Shamrock logo on them and everything.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Nice way to embed that in there. Um, yeah, yeah. Did uh oh uh and then I think when he like kicks that door and that one woman ends up shooting herself I think that's also a tie back to one or two isn't there someone doesn't that something similar happen to someone else at some point I saw somebody on IMDb trying to tie that back to something but it felt like a stretch to me okay there were like two characters that were introduced here that weren't like part of that old screw uh, or the old school uh, crew. Um and I was surprised like how quickly they were killed off here because like uh, I thought they were going to be like two new like protagonists in the story, but yeah
0: they died pretty quickly and there were there was a couple dressed as a doctor and a nurse
1: right right um, yeah
0: and man I thought there was an Easter egg here but I couldn't put my finger on it and I haven't seen it online the guy comes out of the bar and then he has to go back in and he's like whoops I forgot my stethoscope. Oh. And I could have sworn I just saw that in a movie, but I, I don't know if I'm
1: making it up. Oh, okay. And then he uses a stethoscope, I think, to try to kill he Michael. He tries to choke. Yep. Yeah. Right. Which I, I think this is something some, someone tried something similar in part two when he was at the hospital. Yes. Correct. Yeah.
0: But even just him saying, I forgot my stethoscope felt so familiar to me, but I, I couldn't tell if I was imagining it. I thought mm. maybe it was in Halloween 6, but yeah. I might be making that up.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Um, so Tommy and his giant mob... Uh, a vigilante justice people end up at the hospital, vowing to protect the town. Uh, when one of the mental patients shows up at the hospital, the guy, the other guy who escapes, the mob mistakes him for Michael. They chase him down with blunt weapons, and it drives him to kill himself by jumping from a hospital window. And in- there's a really cheesy moment here where Tommy says, "Evil dies tonight," and some woman in the crowd chants back, "Evil dies tonight." <laughs> It becomes, like, and this I whole just,
1: chance, right?
0: Yeah, it was so eye-rolling, man. I mean, yeah. I get that it's kind of a commentary and it is prescient, but that does not change the
1: fact that it's so cheesy. So cheesy. And, and this gave you, like, the Capitol Hill vibes?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, anytime you have a bunch of people uh, just kind of acting on mob violence, acting on what turns out to be inaccurate information can't help but think of that
1: yeah yeah this is such a weird uh, plot line because like we don't know anything about this other like inmate who is uh uh you know released and like we see is it karen she's the one that's like trying to like be sympathetic and like reach out to him like protect him it's just like none of this like adds up and like yeah this crazy like mob is after him um and like we're supposed to care for his safety or something
0: it's a lot of screen time dedicated to this whole thing unfolding i'm just like (laughs) Why are you doing this? Yeah. (laughs) Where's Michael? (laughs) Why is all this going on? (laughs) Also, one of our chief complaints about Halloween 2, and I'm pretty sure this is a little bit of a complaint across the fandom, is that Jamie Lee Curtis is locked up in the hospital and barely even is in the movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: this being a well-known criticism of Halloween 2, why are you replicating the exact same thing here in Halloween Kills? She's cooped up in the, the hospital with... Hawkins just chit-chat in a way. Like I know,
1: I know. Just I mean, like-
0: I get it. You shouldn't be restricted by Jamie Lee Curtis's presence and let that guide the story, but you kind of should, too. Like, this is a pretty big moment where a star from the original film is coming 40 years later for this trilogy. Everyone's a really big fan of the first one. Right. But you're going to, like, lock her up in a hospital for the entire second installment of the trilogy. Like- I know. It just seems like a bad idea.
1: I couldn't believe that. I kept, like, thinking, like, okay, he's gonna show up at the hospital or she's gonna get out of there and go find him. But, yeah, how do you do that? How do you take, like, the biggest character of the franchise, or, like, the second biggest and, like, one of the best, like, final girls of, like, horror films and just leave her in a hospital the whole movie, like, doing these, like, random voiceovers for, like, uh, sound bites that don't, like, add a lot of value?
0: Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like she's somebody who can't really do much. She's, it's not like she's at that age yet and she's just <laughs> there as a token. Right. She was really in the mix in the last film. Like yeah. being physical, cocking guns and like
1: in fight scenes. It's like she can yeah. do this. Like get her in the mix. What the fuck? Right, right. Yeah, I know. That was, that was a really strange decision. Um, I don't know if it like has to do with I mean she's obviously like pretty injured, so are they just trying to like be realistic and say yeah, you know, they were building up towards, like, to, it's, because, it's, I mean, obviously, like, she's probably going to be the one that kills Michael, right, at the end of the day.
0: You got to believe so.
1: Yeah, so, so maybe they're just being realistic and saying, like, yeah, she's injured right now, so we need to, like, keep her on the sideline for, like, this next film, which, I, I according to you, is, like, going to happen, like, a year in the future. So, um, I don't know, maybe they're just trying to keep them up a separate for a minute, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to like a waste of real estate.
0: Yeah, exactly. Four years in the future, actually.
1: Oh, the next one will be four years in the future. Yeah, Halloween ends will be four years from Halloween kills. Oh, okay, okay.
0: But yeah, man, I, I, yeah, I hear that. Like, oh, she's hurt, but find a way. Yeah, exactly. she doesn't have to be, you know, up and about fighting Michael, but like, have her actions matter. She's just a passive
1: character. Make right. her an
0: active character.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, anyway. Boy, I'm really on one. (laughs) Lindsay and Lonnie deduce from Michael's pattern of killings that he's headed towards his old house, which is currently occupied by a couple that we've met earlier in the film named Big John and Little John. That's what they call each other, at least. They're obviously both named John. And uh, Michael slaughters both of them shortly before Lonnie, Cameron, and Allison get there. Allison has joined the, the search party, by the way. Lonnie heads in first, but when Cameron and Allison hear a gunshot from the car, they head into the house as well. They stumble across Lonnie's dead body. Michael attacks them. Allison gets knocked down some steps in a battle with Michael and breaks her leg. Cameron gets his head slammed repeatedly against the stair railing before Michael finally breaks his neck. It seems people are a pretty big fan of this scene. What did you think about it?
1: Oh, I mean, I, I, I loved uh, the kills. I, I, thought, I thought Michael, like, the, his force and his bruteness and, like, the creativity of each of the kills uh, was good. And, yeah, this guy's head through the stairs. Like, he really dragged that out, and it, uh, I, I enjoyed that. You know, part of me enjoyed a lot of this because I hated the characters so much. So I feel like... Ma- right, right, to see the, such brutal kills on such unlikable characters. Yeah, exactly. Were you feeling that way, too?
0: Um... You know, sure, yeah. I, I, mean, the kills are one aspect of the movie that seems fairly lauded across the board, despite the mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the I'm kill- cool with them. I don't yeah. think the kills are as great as some people think them, but they're they hold my attention. That's for sure. Yeah, right. They, right. They're a strong point of the movie
1: yeah I think so I think it's one one of the few strengths uh, of the movie um and I love how like when, Lonnie, when uh Lonnie pulls up to the house he like finally says like what we're all thinking like why did I show up to this place where this murder is with like these two kids like what the fuck man like you're on a this bounty hunt for like someone who's like just killing everyone and you're dragging these two kids along with you so much of this movie just does not add up <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it hits him for a second there, and he acknowledges it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, should
0: I be doing something different? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that That is one of my biggest beefs with this movie, but I'll, I'll talk more about it later. I've okay. been ranting and raving, mostly ranting so much, I'll just get through the plot here. Sure. <laughs> Allison's at the bottom of the steps with her broken leg. Michael's about to kill her. He's coming down the steps, but Karen appears and stabs him in the back with a pitchfork. She then lures him outside to uh, Tommy Doyle's mob, where a bunch of people beat him uh, repeatedly with blunt weapons and even shoot him. And uh, he seems to be down for the count, and Karen can't resist sticking a knife into him and leaving it there like an idiot. (laughs) as she walks away to reunite with an injured Allison. Of course, after she leaves, Michael comes back to life. He grabs that knife and uses it to kill a bunch of people in the mob, including Tommy Doyle, including Sheriff Brackett. Uh, Karen, back at the house, sees a young Michael Myers looking out his bedroom window, Uh, whether it's a ghost or just something she's seeing or just a memory we don't really know. She goes up there to check it out and then is stabbed repeatedly by real-life grown-up Michael and appears to be dead at the end of the movie, and the movie ends with a
1: voiceover of Laurie yammering on to hawkins about something from her hospital room <laughs> saying like e- trying to squeeze as many evil dice tonight uh, as she can Into the park. <laughs> <laughs> right i i apologize to
0: the listeners i i don't mean to be disrespectful she says something ominous that's kind of setting things up for the next movie i can't remember exactly what she says but uh by this point, I was a little angry, if you can't tell. I, I don't like this movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and I, I think a lot of, like, what she's doing in this franchise was, or, like, this installment was trying to do is talk about the evil that, like, Michael was bringing out, like, in the townspeople, right? So, like, it wasn't just this one guy. But uh, this evil is, like, taking root in this community and, like, coming up with, like, how that the town people attacked, like, this innocent uh, escapee or, like, how they turned on Michael. Or, like, what? They tried to kill him and all that stuff. But I, I think that was, like, one of the themes of this film, right?
0: I guess so. And I mean, the whole, like, evil dies tonight thing. When Tommy's rallying in the crowd, he's like, for 40 years we've dealt with this. And it's, like, not really. Like... <laughs> Horrible things happened in 1978, undisputably. But Michael's been locked up for 40 years. They even kind of go out of their way at multiple times in the movie to let you know that some of the younger kids in the town don't even know what happened. Oh, yeah. And other people have kind of forgotten or it's just like not even a part of it anymore. But then all of a sudden you got this mob who's like, we're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) We got to kill him. But he's been in jail for 40 years and everything's been fine. Not jail, a hospital, but yeah. just trap him again. He, At a certain point, I don't care how like impossible and otherworldly it is, we should have realized he can't die. So like <laughs> <I know>. pivot. <laughs> Lori herself should know that just from the first movie. So yeah. her plan to trap him in the basement and then burn the house should have been to just trap him in the basement.
1: Oh, and, and then not burn the house. Just and <laughs> just
0: then not try. burn the house, and then you know, in 1978, they essentially show him being apprehended.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So why can't we do
1: that again? That's probably the only thing that works, right? And like that, it's worked for so many years with having him at the uh, asylum or whatever. That seems yeah, and the- he's
0: clearly aging. So theoretically, mm-hmm. just get him back behind bars again and yeah, let him die of old age. Because I mean, we already know the, a fire doesn't do it. bullets to the face and chest don't do it A knife to the eye doesn't do it
1: right yeah exactly your best thing is just like a locked door probably that can't be yeah
0: exactly (laughs) yeah that's the only thing that's worked for 40 years (laughs) it's worked
1: yeah, I don't know, the, the 40 years thing, like, yeah, I, I get you, like, uh, he hasn't been, like, coming every Halloween or something, but do you, do you think, like, a part of that tracks back to, like, the trauma that, like, uh, the, uh, that Lonnie and, like, others had, and it's, like, been living with him for 40 years, and, like, is that what he's hitting on, is, like, that emotional uh, trauma, or has he really been, like, is he really saying, like, no, uh, 40 years of, like, Michael attacking us or something?
0: I mean, I think he's talking about the emotional trauma, but, like, that he could find all these people who are that fired up about it, yeah, is I don't know, maybe surprising, but maybe not. Maybe white people are just looking to <laughs> beat somebody up who they consider to be evil. Yeah,
1: bandwagon behind someone. I I, I don't know. I th- I think the the evil uh, or like people came together because like uh, they realized they're under attack. There's like a serial killer out there. This kind of like panic hysteria took over. You hear this phrase like uh, "evil dies tonight," and you just kind of like jump onto it. Um, and like, we see like that one mother seeing her like dead son. So I don't know. Yeah. it kind of like, just kind of like spread like a, like something that was like very contagious or something.
0: Okay. All right. You're talking me, you're talking me
1: off the ledge. I, I, I mean, uh, I'm calming down. I understand. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. And it's like, but it's like kind of like that crowd mentality that we see today where like one person maybe is holding on to something and then is able to like, kind of like it catches on like a fire, I guess. Um, but I, I don't know. Like it, it, it also did seem like pretty forced.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's you're right, and I think that is powerful commentary. I guess I'm just upset that so much of the movie seemed dedicated
1: to that. Oh, yeah.
0: That almost defined the movie. Right, right. It just feels like a weird choice.
1: Yeah, it did feel like the movie was more around, like, defining uh, evil, violence, crowd, uh, mob, mob mentality versus, like, focusing on Michael and, like, all the, like, his usual killings, or, like, building up the suspense with each kill. Like, that kind of did feel like a second or third chair to this, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's just, again, like, it feels like a squandered opportunity. Like, here we are, 40 years later, you've got this trilogy, you've got the star returning. Mm-hmm why Why are you doing this you know it's yeah. just it's not and I'm gonna be I'm the last person to say like politics or social commentary don't belong in horror they absolutely do they always have mm-hmm. but like the second installment of this like resurrected Michael Myers trilogy is mostly about like mob mentality right I, I don't know it just
1: yeah. feels like the wrong place to do that it does. Like the most like random unexpected place. <laughs> like you're building up towards this like great big finale and suddenly you're like going to take this detour and like almost put Michael and Laurie like on a, on a back burner and like instead focus on something else, which, uh, yeah, they're, like a random element.
0: Yeah. I mean, the story here. Also, I forgot to mention, one thing that's kind of important that we learn along the way is that Hawkins thwarted... Loomis's attempt to kill Michael in 1978. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the most story happens here, the, the things that get pushed forward the most are just kind of learning what's in Hawkins' mind and what's in Laurie's mind. Yeah. But the events of the movie then itself, like there's not much story here. No, yeah, not at all. Like it's difficult to say who the main character is. I think it was pretty clearly, like, Allison in the first one with, like, Laurie right behind. Mm -hmm. And the focus was really on kind of their relationship and and the three women specifically. Yeah. And then the ending was beautiful, too. It was just, like, the three generations of this family fighting Michael together. So to go from such a character-focused, like, kind of small scope into this thing with the whole town... And trying to bring so many characters from the first one back, it's just, Mm -hmm. it was ambitious. I I guess I give them props for trying and
1: I can (laughs) see where they're coming from, but it, it made it so that there was no story to me. It did, yeah. And I I think the different, uh, like, yeah, the the, the large cast you had, and then all the different settings. Like, you had one story going down at the hospital, one story on, like, the search and rescue crew, and then, like, this random, like, big John, little John thing going on. So I just feel like the movie was, like, split up into so many different... Uh, angles and uh, settings that, yeah, didn't have like a clear narrative. And you were never really sure, like, who to focus on or what the point was or, like, who cares about, like, oh, yeah. And then, like, obviously, like the timeline, too, like the flashbacks and uh, the sheriff's story. But, but like, it was, it was hard to get invested in any of these, like, different stories that were happening.
0: I agree. And some of those flashbacks might become valuable in the next installment of the franchise, but for this movie itself as a standalone a lot of the flashbacks just were kind of like who cares what, yeah. it doesn't mean anything to what's <laughs> happening now
1: yeah that's not really that interesting that like oh this guy accidentally killed a cop and like uh, they uh, they they buried it or he had a chance to kill Michael and, and he didn't um, which yeah I, I don't know actually that makes me wonder if he's going to be the one that kills Michael finally in, in part 3 since he was yeah, like yeah right yeah um, um, but
0: yeah There is a concept in Dungeons & Dragons, like, as a dungeon master, you can, like, railroad your characters to kind of, like, follow a set goal in a story, or you can have kind of a sandbox campaign where they're just kind of, like, wandering around the world you create, and there's no set story. Mm -hmm. And, like, an interesting thing about that can be, like, they just see how they impact the town and the surroundings around them, but it gets kind of boring. I kind of feel like this was like a sandbox movie, we're just seeing the whole town and how every little thing ripple affected throughout the rest of the town, the things that happened to every single character who appeared in the movie in 1978, how it affected them, how it changed the town, and then how what's going on now in the town is affecting other people in the town, but it didn't have a story. Yeah,
1: right, right. It was was just just like world building. Sure, sure, interesting, yeah, uh, world building, but all in the context of like one night in a reaction to like one thing, I mean, yeah, you have these characters who are legacy characters who like maybe this has been their world for like so long, but for most of them, like this is I don't know, like the first time they're like uh hearing about Michael and um that like uh they're just kind of reacting to like a serial killer being loose, right,
0: yeah, right,
1: yeah. So it's, it's kind so of like a bubble or something? It, is, that, is that what you're it, saying? I just felt a
0: little forced. I, I'm just saying, like, it wasn't story-focused. It was yeah. just kind of sprawling. Sure, right, right. I tried to close every loop and address every little thing that happened in the first film and how that impacted Haddonfield for the next 40 years, which mm. is interesting, but they lean real hard on it instead of having a story. Yeah. There's so
1: much reminiscing by the characters too. Right. It's just, it gets to be a lot. It does. It does. Yeah. 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 No. I, I agree. I didn't feel like there was like a cohesive na- uh, narration or, or storyline here. And then, yeah, all the voiceovers of like very cheesy dialogue, uh, where I felt like a lot of the movie was just built on like these like one or two lines, like "evil dies tonight" or "it needs to die" or "Michael, you've come home." Like they're like just like these lines that I feel like the director and the writers had. That they're like, let's build a plot around these characters saying these lines versus like telling a uh, comprehensive story. Yeah.
0: Did you think there was? <laughs> I almost feel like there was not even like one good line of dialogue in the whole film. It was <laughs> the dialogue specifically was a low point.
1: Yeah, I thought the dialogue was terrible. Character decisions were terrible. Like I almost see, I almost felt like Michael was a hero in this film since he was like uh, killing these people who were like the were just like terrible characters. Um, (laughs) so yeah, yeah, everything was, like, so flawed here. The dialogue characters, storyline, um, I I I don't get it, man. Yeah,
0: which might add an element of fun to the the story, just seeing Michael. It's interesting, too, like, I've got mixed feelings about it, but he went from such a stock and slash in 1978 to just this one-man army killing machine in this trilogy. Yeah. Um, which I, like, am fine with. It's not my preferred Michael, but... They make it work.
1: Yeah. I, I had mixed feelings about that because I, I love seeing it like the one-on-one attacks he does in like the older films, like singling out a person, stalking them, and then killing them. And this one, he's like taking out crowds of people like Matrix style. Um, you, you were fine with that? I mean, I, I, I had to adjust to
0: it. Rewatching 2018 helped me adjust to it. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of it, though. It, it works for what they're doing in these films, but both of the last two films lack suspense. Compared to, I mean, it's hard to compare anything to the suspense, suspense of the first one. But I think even like Halloween 4 has more suspense than this movie.
1: Oh, sure. Right, right. Yeah. Maybe I added
0: Halloween 6. But yeah, I, I prefer the stalking and the slashing and the taking your time rather than just like, yeah, Matrix-style slaughter fest. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I feel like a lot of these uh, scenes felt more action than horror and uh the kills, like yeah, didn't have that same build up or suspense, except for that one where i th- I think they were in the car, and that like felt like a decent uh device or setup for like being trapped in a space and and being under attack, but still like yeah, nothing uh, compared to the suspense we had in other films, sure, sure, I agree, I agree, um did you? <laughs>
0: I haven't I'm sure there are people who have stopped listening because I've pissed them off so much. But <laughs> would you almost kind of put this into the bucket with malignant and Army of the Dead in that there are some elements that are, like just so bad that you can't tell
1: if they're kind of deliberately campy or <laughs> accidentally bad? I wish, man. I mean, I would, I would give this movie more credit if, like there was like that question of, oh, maybe like they're purposefully leaning into the bad, like some of those movies a little bit to to their benefit. This one, I, I never kind of, like, it never occurred to me. And, and that's where I was wondering, going back to, like, your comedy uh, comments earlier, like, do you feel like this was trying to be funny at points?
0: No. I, I feel like 2018 was supposed to be a little bit at points, but I don't know. I can't really see much opportunity for humor in this one.
1: Yeah. And, like, it, it was, not like, bad enough, like, uh, well, I mean, it, it was bad, but it, it was, like, uh to the point where it, like, felt like it knew it was being bad.
0: I don't think it was to the point where it knew it was being bad, and I don't think it ever crossed over into us so bad it's good.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Bummer, man. I mean, I, I'm I'm on one, but I, I'm not happy about not liking this, and I apologize to the people that that loved it. And I know there's people that love it, and I know there's people who are, you know, right at a three. I think part of the... Opposite of stalking and flashing Michael is you get this big loud fun movie and that's part of why I wanted to see it in the theater But was this like unfortunately
1: was this a big like loud and fun movie?
0: I Think with a lot of those slaughtering scenes. It kind of was but man even the fire fighter slaughter Was just kind of like a little underwhelming to me in Terms of like the score the direction the filming of it. It wasn't like wow. It was just yeah Michael killing some people
1: there was something off about the editing of the action sequences where, like, um, I, I don't know, the way, like, the camera would jump, like, it was almost like he would punch someone, but, like, first you'd see, like, a, uh, or, or, like, he'd slash someone, and, like, first you'd see, like, a shot of him, like, with the knife, and then the next shot is, like, the person, and, like, they're being slashed, and, like, it kind of broke up. Uh, I, I didn't feel like they were, like, great action scenes either. Uh, the yeah, they were
0: almost more montages than uh, following right. a straight
1: line of action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when he takes down the townspeople and stuff, uh, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was, that was a little disappointing. I feel like, uh, and I was really surprised. I, I I jumped on our Discord today and, and read that channel. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people. Um, I don't know if they love this one, but they're. Um, I think like to your earlier point, like it, it like feeds into like the the fan base and like kind of. Uh, the the franchise like the things you've like grown to love over the years and it's like kind of being accepted by people versus like loved so I mean, what's what's the impression you're getting
0: yeah I mean I think most of our Discord buddies are putting it at like three out of five um, yeah right so we'll probably piss some some of our friends off but uh, I I don't put it at three out of five
1: All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so shoot I forgot to write down a scale let's see uh, zero to five uh, Baseball bats named Old Huckleberry. <laughs> what do you give this? Did that um, bother you too? They made it like that bat was so significant. It was just some random bat.
1: <laughs> it was just some random bat or random bar for like uh, that. That character wasn't from like any of the other movies, right? Nope.
0: no uh, bartender. He wasn't.
1: Yeah, that was such a weird. <laughs> I don't think he was, unless there was a deep cut that I missed. Right, right. Uh, yeah, man, I I hate to slam this one, but, and I I love the franchise so much that I I think it disappointed me so much more, too. Uh, so I I only gave it a a one, uh, bat, uh, named, what was it named? Old Huckleberry, I believe. Yeah, one old Huckleberry bat. Uh, what about you?
0: I originally wrote a two, but in compiling my notes and review, I was realizing that there's really very little I liked about this movie. Mm -hmm. And I've... I feel like a 2 would almost be too generous for how much I've ranted about it, so I'm going to go with 1.5. Okay. Yeah. It was watchable for sure, and the kill sequences held my attention, but as a whole, it's not a good movie. I almost feel like objectively, it's just not a good movie, but it's also just like not the type of movie I want to see. It's not a story.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I felt the same way. It's Um, just like
0: a collection of things happening.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the dialogue is so bad. Dialogue is so bad.
0: Even hate. the score, I didn't appreciate. I thought there were moments in 2018 where the score just like rocked and kicked ass. Mm-hmm. But there were moments here where I just almost felt like the score didn't even know what to do with the scenes <laughs> that were happening. Like, I can almost picture like John Cody and Day- Daniel. Davies like shrugging to each other yeah <laughs> I don't know what this is supposed to be <laughs> we just keep doing the thing we were doing before for this scene <laughs> right. yeah just keep it going whatever
1: yeah yeah I know I know okay that's a tough task on those guys uh but yeah I agree with you actually like the one uh great thing about this I, I, I did think was like uh, so I thought some of the gore was was really well done sure sure
0: yeah I I don't think I can uh I won't push and prod too much at the kills and the uh the slaughter sequences, they're not my favorite, but uh, I, I can see the enjoyment there.
1: All right. It'll be interesting to, after the third one comes out, if we would come back and look at this one differently. Like, uh, you know, maybe this did, like, did it, uh, there are, like, so many things that this laid like, the groundwork for that might come to play in, in, in part three. It makes right, right.
0: And I'm i am glad I rewatched the 2018 film and, and went up a half a star. I certainly would love to come back and watch this again and raise another star. Yeah. But... It's hard to imagine that for this one.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I agree.
0: Um. Yeah. Anything else?
1: Nah, that's all I got.
0: All right. That has been our episode on Halloween Kills from 2021. Go ahead and leave us a bad review. <laughs> this <laughs> is how we feel. Uh, if you want to connect with us, we're at horrormovieclub.com. The social links drop down on our website will show you links to Twitter and Facebook where we announce what movie we'll be covering next week. It will also provide the link to our Discord server where you can come talk to us and other movie fans and podcast fans. And if you want to come talk to people who like this movie, come on over. Uh, We won't bother you. And let's see, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash horror movie club. If you want to access some bonus content for a buck a month, you can do that. I put a spreadsheet out there recently of every movie Ashwin and I have ever discussed together, whether it was a podcast or not, and our ratings for each of those movies. So if you want to see that, you can just pay a buck, come download the thing and, and be on your merry way and unsubscribe from Patreon. Uh, Etsy.com is where you can find some Horror Movie Club coasters from Amy Mae Pop Art. You can go to Etsy.com and search Horror Movie Club posters, or you can search Amy Mae Pop Art and find all sorts of great stuff. She also did our logo think that is about all i've got if you want to email us we're at podcast at horror movie and until next time if one of your enemies survives being shot multiple times stabbed multiple times and being locked in a burning building i'd go ahead and assume they cannot die and pivot to a containment strategy mm-hmm. hit next. <laughs>